0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the world leading, the world's best, the world's premier football podcast, Football Unfocused, presented by two old school friends from the 90s, early 90s no less, Mark (laughs) and Matthew. I am Mark, that guy laughing is Matthew. Say hello, Matthew. Hello, hello, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Matthew. Matthew, I want to crack on because I know that we're recording this in the middle of the working day, and uh, you are under some time pressure, shall we say, uh, to uh, to not. I got I got accounts and uh, paper clips. Well, indeed. Yeah, it's. I was about to comment on what you do for a living, but I won't reveal any inf- personal information about you. But let's just say it's uh, it's tough at the top. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, before I ask you the usual searching questions that I do at the beginning of every podcast, to in the continued quest to learn more about you as a human being, as an entity, I just want to ask you a quick question, actually, Matthew. Because, um, uh, it, no, it's about myself. Uh, it's rare, right. I do this, but I'm in need of some. I do of you want some...
1: me to ask you a question? I just need.
0: No, I just need uh, really a kind of you know an opinion about um, w- you know what this means for me. Um, if, what does it say about me that I live in a particular area of East London and have done for over twelve years now? And when I yet yeah, when I am out walking in the local area, shopping, or if I am out running on my way to the boozer, the only people, <laughs> the only the people in this area, having you know having made my mark now for twelve years, that recognise me in terms of wave at me when I'm out running, or give me a little fist pump as I'm walking past, look of acknowledgement, even stop for a quick chat, are A, landlord of the King Eddie pub, B, the bloke who runs the Schwammer uh, grill on uh, Leighton High Road, and C, the bloke who owns the Codfather Chippy on uh, Leighton Stone Road on the way down to Maryland. Now, they are literally the only three people who ever kind of acknowledge my presence in the local area. Do you think that is a concerning insight into my um, lifestyle? Or do you think it's a reflection of the lack of humanity and sort of, you know, neighbourliness that uh, inflicts <laughs> Exist, modern society? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. My neighbours, if I see them, every, you know, everyone who lives within, say, you know, the, the, the sort of opposite and either side of my house, they would also give me acknowledgement. But I don't really count them. Uh, but outside outside <laughs> of that... Uh, They are the people. The bloke who owns the chippy, the shawarma grill and the pub. What about the place that gives you free coffees? Uh, Yeah, but I don't... Uh, well yeah i mean i'm not saying that there are not other people who oh, are right, in with. the world i mean i get on brilliantly with ali the dry cleaner uh but uh <laughs> You've got i don't a dry often... actually he does wave when i when he sees me walk past Yeah, that's another one uh, <laughs> yeah uh, we have a great chat about um uh, galatasaray every time i go in <laughs> oh uh, yeah it's funny because the, the guy who runs the uh, the Codfather is a Besiktas fan as well. So I always make sure that I'm aware of the results of both teams
1: before I go <laughs> in there and have a, have a good old chat. But Matthew, do you think that's a cons- do you think that's a reflection of my lifestyle? I just realized I think I misunderstood your question. Sorry, which what? was what I'm saying. Which was which was do you think that you go to the chippy in the pub too often? <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially, what I'm saying is, should I yeah, be concerned? Sorry, that the,
0: pe- the only people after 12 years. The only people with whom I've clearly made an impression and left my mark uh, in this particular part of East London is uh, people who run fast food and booze outlets,
1: Um, other than the dry cleaning guy. What about the the people that serve you um, gelato? No, mate, I only really go there in the uh, summer, uh, so uh, no. They, I know you're trying to paint know. me
0: as some sort of uh, middle-class uh, guardian reading... <laughs> no, uh, lib- you know, what is it they call them? Liberal-arty or whatever. Uh, uh, liter- <laughs> oh, whatever they call them. Yeah. Right- when right-wing <laughs> people are trying to be disparaging. Snowflakes? Whatever, yeah. You know how, like, you know, some people who, um, when they find out that you are, so, shall we say, slightly left of centre, one of the ways that they'll try to undermine that... Is by picking on oh, I bet you're still going waitros and stuff, don't you? As if, <laughs> the, as if, as if the oh, p- the man. quest
1: for like who says that? To oh, you? I've heard
0: plenty of people say oh. it. I won't name names, but you know, I I, I could. <laughs> um, it's it's like. Wanting to buy nice things or wanting to, you know, have enjoy your dinner is the preserve of the middle and upper classes, and and the quest for that is some sort of representation of you as a, you know, a, a shall we say, a more single minded kind of ruthless right of centre. Or even further right uh, person, and 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 I, I think Fidel Castro. One of the great things that uh, he did uh, as part of his uh, revolution of society after the Cuban Revolution was to make tickets for high culture things like uh, galleries, uh, opera, and um, you know the dance, the the, the sort of high quality sort of tango in particular dance shows that are part of Cuban culture. Make them incredibly affordable for everybody because high culture should be something that has it's nothing to do with wealth it's accessible for the masses and the right to have a great life should have nothing to do with your kind of you know ideology um and you know that 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 point of view when people say that that's essentially trying to keep people in their box or to undermine your right to, to paint you as some sort of hypocrite for having a life view uh, if you then go and buy some organic asparagus, uh, it's like there was a there was a Tory MP called Louise Mensch about uh, ten years ago during the um, there were these uh, pr- protesters uh, doing a kind of sit-in camp protest against I think it was against it was either against climate change or uh, as a result of the financial crisis uh, in n- n- right in the city and they were there for ages they were there for about a month, sort of camped in and Louise Mensch this idiotic um, uh, kind of you know. Um, clickbait MP at the time who's now thankfully stood down from public life um, was on Have I Got News For You? and she was trying to undermine them saying that they're protesting one minute but then they're in the queue for a Starbucks
1: and like, Ian, <laughs> and Ian sort
0: of said to her they just want a coffee like you know, you can't. It's outrageous if that's literally the best you can do. To, that they should be so kind of fundamentally against global capitalism. That, that if that's literally the only place they can get a coffee, that's that that's a reflection of the system, not of them as individuals. Um. So yeah, but it's it's kind of in that ballpark. But anyway, I'll quickly move on, Matthew, because I want to ask you yeah, three yeah. very quick <laughs> questions before we start talking oh, about no, football. We must
1: have we? Mm. No, let's crack on with the football. You
0: can answer these very snappily if you are uh, a good podcast co-host, which we've established many times, you're not. (laughs) Uh, Matthew, Matthew, quick answer. Do you like puzzles? No. You don't. You're not the sort of person who does like Sudokus and all that sort of stuff, crosswords.
1: No, I feel they find me out
0: too quickly. Yeah, I'm not the same. I haven't got the patience for it. and they, yeah. So what do, what do you think of these people who are obsessed with this online thing called Wordle, which every boring bastard in the world seems to be doing at the moment and feeling oh. the need to share their scores on sort of Twitter?
1: Oh my days. What is that? Oh,
0: they, look, look it up. I haven't got time to explain it now. I don't even know truly what it is. All I know is every boring bastard on Earth seems to be tweeting their score from this thing called Wordle, <laughs> and it's... Uh, And it's getting a bit of a backlash from people saying, for fuck's sake,
1: you know, just uh, keep it to
0: yourself. Question two, Matthew, do you enjoy quizzes?
1: Oh, again, this is like, you know, basically, if you want to test how, you know, where all the all the areas that I know very little about, which are.
0: Matthew, you are a man who did a postgraduate qualification at Oxford University. You are
1: in the top. (laughs)
0: Percentile of people. Why on earth would you be intimidated by a quiz down your local boozer?
1: Yeah, but but at the same time, you and all our other friends thought I was actually attending Oxford Brooks. Well, we just say and that. There's, in, no, in, in and yes. there's nothing. There's nothing. Well, we all Oxford know that you Brooks, only got it in Oxford because <laughs> your, of your rowing uh,
0: credentials. It had nothing to do no, with academia. I didn't. Uh, no. All right. So the answer is no, because you're. No, you're so no essentially, debate. you are easily intimidated by no. crosswords and sort of public quests for knowledge uh, <laughs> or displays of knowing the answer to and let's face it they're normally facile questions that have got nothing to do with intelligence aren't they? If you want a
1: proper quiz well, these
0: people who say they're good at quizzes should sit down and, and, and answer the questions on an average episode of University Challenge then we'll see you smart well, I can't than, do that
1: either and, but, You
0: what, sorry? I can't do those no, I either I don't doubt that you don't, <laughs> <I> don't <Matthew. laughs> And final question Matthew what is your favourite film?
1: Uh, it's well, it depends. If if I'm being honest, it's Top Gun. But if oh I'm wanting, God, if, if if I'm wanting to be a bit sort of, if I'm wanting to Top impress some people, yeah, if I want to, if if I want to try and impress people, uh, there's a film called Annabelleisa, which yeah. is, uh, what's his name? Oh fuck, He's some sort of anime. Am, I know animation. exactly who made that film. That's the Charlie it,
0: S- Charlie yeah, Scott Kaufman.
1: Uh, Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. He's a obnoxious individual.
0: Oh, is he? Yeah, he, oh, did an no. in, he did an interview promoting that film with the um, Kermode and Mayo film review, and he was a real arse. Of it. As a result, oh, Simon Mayo man. won't interview him anymore. He refuses what? to like promote any of his films, and whenever they review them, he just says, "Yeah, well, I'm not going to watch it because Charlie." Because <laughs> <Catering laughs> he's a, That's oh, your favorite no. film. Is that the one where he goes to like the uh, 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 like an HR conference or something, and has yeah, a free, yeah. and wow. everyone
1: has the same voice. Yeah, it's like ex- an actual condition. Yes. I went to see Where it you... in the cinema. It is good,
0: best film of all time.
1: But then you know, what? you've like, you've established you, you in the say... past
0: your favourite artists of all time are Craig David and The Strokes, and you've just said Top Gun, which in I think is is uh, quite objectively one of the worst films ever made,
1: uh, and is
0: mostly <laughs> liked by uh, repressed uh, homosexual fanboys from the eighties who just like to see men lathering up. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but a lot yeah. of these same people will be quite uh, you know sort of homophobic uh, on the same hand as uh, uh, enjoying uh, watching Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Shimmer, shimmering just, in there it appeals to a type of, the same sort of people who like Top Gear
1: um, so oh, just, no. just not, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: anyway, you're very much in that ballpark. We're learning more about you, Matthew. The more.
1: Well, we probably won't go into my birthday plans. Uh, what
0: we? Well, that's to good do. actually, because you're being therefore quite open. That we are. We are very much planning as to uh, on the surface at least, heterosexual men. We're planning a night down uh, Manchester's <laughs> <On the surface. laughs> Manchester's famous gay district. Well, if you're going to come out, Matthew, do it at forty, out and proud. <laughs> Anyway, Matthew, let's crack on because we're up against it time-wise, and we don't—I don't want you to have to do any editing here. This can be a seamless, um, oh. a seamless process. <laughs> so, this week, I just wanted to have a quick discussion. Uh, bear in mind, we've just done a sort of thirteen-minute, uh, uh, light-hearted uh, opening, but I guess it's relatively serious, really, because Gianni Infantino, yesterday, who is the president of FIFA, um. ...made some outrageous comments... <clears throat> essentially so Gianni and as we've discussed in in previous podcasts using Arsene Wenger as a kind of mouthpiece a, a sort of project leader or you know author of a report in the same way that for example Sue Gray is in the United <laughs> Kingdom at the moment to uh help Boris Johnson understand whether or not he went to a party because it's we all need reports to find out whether we personally went to a party or not and we you know it's very, really important I, I know I certainly do whenever I check my diary <laughs> um and Gianni Infantino uh, has been using Wenger to try and justify this, what I would regard as a ludicrous idea that would be incredibly damaging to football, of reverting to um, a World Cup every two years rather than the four years since it has been, since its uh, launch in 1930. The four year cycle is what, for me, makes it special, makes it feel kind of, you know, like premium and elite and, you know, the, the kind of, you know, up there with the Olympics in terms of the world's greatest um, sporting events, albeit just for the one sport. Now, bear in mind, this is a week in which eight people have been crushed to death outside a football stadium. Uh, Not uh, not an antiquated, uh, crumbling old football stadium from the, you know, the, the dark days of football in the... Uh, 70s and 80s when everything was kind of being neglected we're talking about a modern football stadium in Cameroon that was I believe it's the stadium that's due to host the final um, and yep. uh, eight innocent people were put through a horrific uh, also 38 quite seriously injured people I believe an horrific ordeal that has got um, you know some really quite horrible ramifications and and similarities and memories of uh, Hillsborough and clearly as somebody you know 40 year old man who uh, is a, a lifelong supporter of, uh, of Liverpool Football Club I've seen at very very close hand the effect that that can have on a club over um, you know many many years particularly as a result of the, the sort of you know the cover-up and the misinformation so I'm very very aware of the need to only speak about this in terms of facts and what's known at the time and not to cast any sort of opinion. But one thing is for certain that something has gone badly wrong here and innocent people on their way to a football ground where they should be able to trust the authorities um, and the, you know, the security staff and the stadium staff and every, you know, the, the uh, um, officials from the F the hosting FA to protect them and give them a seamless and enjoyable experience for which they have paid. And, it's pretty clear that some catastrophic errors have um, have happened and people have lost their lives in a terrifying uh, and horrendous fashion. You know, it doesn't really get much worse. In that same week, <clears throat> the president of FIFA has uh, stood in front of, or sat in front of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe. Uh, I believe this happened yesterday. Uh, that is an assembly designed to help Um, mitigate uh, kind of human rights abuses and he has argued genuinely argued it sounds like a joke that the hosting a world cup once every two years will um, limit the risk of africans quote death in the sea so what he is essentially suggesting is that well in fact I'll allow him to speak for himself because I think sometimes, you know, me sort of trying to paraphrase is not appropriate. Let's just take his actual words and see just really how um, how horrific uh, it is. He said... If we think about uh, the rest of the world and the vast majority of Europe, then we have to think about what football brings. Football is about opportunity, about hope, about the national teams. We cannot say to the rest of the world, give us your money, but watch us on TV. We need to include them. We need to find ways to include the whole world to give hope to Africans so that they don't need to cross the Mediterranean in order to find maybe a better life, but more probably death in the sea. We need to give opportunity to give dignity, not by charity, but by allowing the rest of the world to participate. Maybe the World Cup every two years is not the answer, but we'll discuss it.
1: Now, I don't know whether you have a, an instant reaction to that, Matthew, at all. Yeah, I saw the headline. I didn't actually read the article that um, about that. Um, and I saw the headline and I did assume he must have been... I was, I was like how do you equate how how do you sort of put those two things together yeah having a well having a world Cup every two years and yes. stopping people well, it's, trying to escape i mean what the guy's you know, trying situations. to do he's for me well i think it's pretty obvious
0: really he's he's using and there's a context to this which i'll try and very brief briefly explain but he's Essentially, trying to equate the humanitarian crisis that's been going on now for a number of years, starting with uh, Syrians way back in what was it about 2015, and you know the number of the, the unacceptable number of, of deaths there's been at sea with desperate people forced to make uh, incredibly dangerous crossings on um, vessels that are not suitable for uh, crossing, you know. Uh, very dangerous choppy water, often that has been sold to them or that space on that boat has been leased to them by the elements of the criminal underworld, profiteering from essentially people trafficking and preying on the desperation of people fleeing war torn uh, areas or areas where their lives are going to be at risk. Um, and trying to suggest that a World Cup every two years isn't um, the idea um, in order to. Uh, um, give FIFA the chance for a land grab and to take more power and money away from the regional um, uh, <coughs> sort of continental um, organisations of UEFA and AFCOM and uh, Commibol etc with their own tournaments and you know the, the prominence of club football in Europe it's nothing to do that, their desperation to cling on to that money and to keep it all for themselves and to build up their coffers, oh no No, it's because they care so much (laughs) about uh, Africans and people from Asia and the Middle East and other parts of the world um, being so desperate as to make these crossings that they think that if there were a World Cup every two years, it would so significantly increase the opportunity for uh, countries in the developing world to host these tournaments that these people in desperate situations would think, oh, I... I'm, I won't actually bother getting on that boat and trying to make it, uh, you know, um, uh, Calais or or, or wherever, um, uh, Dover or, you know, Germany or whatever. No, 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 I'm going um, to stick around because I've heard that uh, my country's bidding for the World Cup in uh, in uh, eight years' time. And if we win that, oh, it's going to transform everything. So I'm going I'm to stick around. Thank goodness they changed it to every two years because otherwise I really would be off. I mean it's absolutely outrageous. It is I think it is it 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 could it couldn't do a better job in demonstrating just how far removed FIFA are from reality. You know, they they claim to speak for the people, they claim to, you know, exist in order to develop and grow the game in, in the developing nations. Now, I'm not saying there haven't been Um, moments in time where they have succeeded in doing that. Certainly, if you speak to sort of African football experts, they will talk about the, um, you know, the... the... So basically what happened after the 1966 World Cup, uh, when Zhao Havilland took over FIFA, and it was the first time that somebody from outside of Europe had run FIFA. So they went into the 1970 World Cup. Zhao Havilland was intent on... um, uh, um, Developing uh, the world game so that more countries are able to take part in tournaments and that the the, um, the, the decision making process is fairer so he was the first to introduce one member one vote and that is absolutely fine <clears throat> there's no issue with that that is the fairest way to run the game but in doing so obviously that means that block voters from the continents that have the most countries hold the power now, South America uh, and Europe have always been the kind of dominant two uh, uh, continents when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, football. But South America, after Dejao Havelang, who himself I believe was uh, Brazilian or certainly from one of the South American nations, I think he was Brazilian, um, he kind of counted on having the the South American block vote. I think only ten vote uh, block bloc members, and then essentially the entirety of Africa and Asia. So that meant that he essentially could get through during his time in power and then extended by Set Blatter from, I think, 1994 onwards until his disgrace um, fall from power a few years ago. Um, they've, they've enjoyed that same kind of iron grip over uh, particularly Africa and Asian kind of block votes. And... The payoff for this has been, well, we'll, we'll get you more access to World Cups. so obviously to South Africa 2010. They, they genuinely, money has gone into improving infrastructure, improving coaching facilities, pitches, all that sort of stuff. And that there are some sort of notable achievements. So, let, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they are completely without merit. But what they're now doing is using this kind of, you know, control, this iron grip they have over these uh, continental associations. To make outrageous claims. I mean, the arrogance and the the you know the I don't know just just a complete um I don't know what what is the term for for just out of touchness. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's a slightly alternate, like distorted reality that he's he's uh, like he's existed in. Yeah, to to be able to 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 justify a biennial World Cup in such terms. It's it's quite it's particle. quite sick. And it's yeah it's yeah it's sick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was listening to. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a really good. Um, it's released in a in a podcast each week. Um, they do it on five live in the early hours in the morning. They do a thing called a World Football Phone in, and every week um, the brilliant um, South American based uh, football journalist Tim Vickery uh, is on there. And um, you know he's one of the most knowledgeable people about football you could ever hear. So I would I'd thoroughly recommend anyone listening to that. It can sometimes be goes on for like two and a half hours. So there's some that you can skip, but when they get into the details, really be good. And then they'll have a different guest. A two re- and a half hour podcast. Yeah, because it's a, it's it's essentially a live radio program that they then oh, release right. in its entirety. They don't edit it down at all. They just remove like the news breaks, but it goes on for two and a half hours in in real life. So then they just they just release the whole thing and i I normally listen to it some some weeks if you know the talk because the the presenter sometimes you know makes things a little bit trivial but um but anyway but there's a north African football expert called um Maya mahazi Mazahi sorry and he he's really good whenever he's on there he's really really good and he essentially was saying that most African countries are fundamentally against this um, biannual World Cup. They don't want to change it and they don't buy the rationale behind it. But they're too scared to stand up to Infantino because the kind of culture of um, supporting FIFA and kind of just towing the line and being controlled by um, this, you know, incredibly powerful organisation that feed them sort of scraps from the table in order to keep their votes and to keep them happy and make promises about you know, additional opportunities to host and, you know, additional power, et cetera, et cetera, and more um, financial reward, that that there's now a genuine fear of putting your head above the parapet and standing up to fee for an Infantino. And that's really why somebody like Infantino can go to a, um, a, Euro- a Council of Europe uh, Parliamentary Assembly and speak in such arrogant terms, because he is able almost without question or challenge to kind of speak on behalf of Africa as somebody who's not African has no connection to Africa, but it's a kind of cultural legacy of a sort of, you know, a power stranglehold that has gone on for 40 or 50 years that enables a man to, to make such an outrageous claim that, I mean, the whole world, I mean the, the backlash to it has been significant and he has felt the need to kind of, um, clarify his point of view, but even the clarification if you look into it is pretty disgraceful and un- unforgivable and the man i don 't know i think if it, if it was a a more kind of democratically run organization that was um that had greater accountability, you know this would cost him his job. But as we saw with the last regime under Blatter, to get rid of somebody once they've got their claws into the FIFA leadership is, uh, re- you know, it's almost as difficult as getting rid of a, you know, morally, morally bankrupt uh, British Prime Minister, some might suggest. Uh, I-, I couldn't possibly comment. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky task because essentially the, the similarity there on a serious note, the similarity there is that ultimately it requires the members to act no matter what the the kind of reaction is kind of worldwide in terms of you know electorate or um or you know um individual uh, organizations journalists whatever unless members turn on their leadership and so right you know you get things like votes of no confidence or um calls for elections then nothing nothing really changes and it is outrageous and just the fact that it's in the same week that people have lost their lives in a, a a continental competition, it make it just makes it. Even though the two are theoretically unconnected, I just think it makes it even more distasteful that he is essentially using um, vulnerable people or theoretically vulnerable people to justify a a land grab, and it is a land grab. There's no there is no other reason to amend the World Cup from four years to two years other than. You know, it doubles the opportunity to make money, and it stops uh, the the individual continental um, powers from increasing their 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 power and their share of revenue. You know, the Euros is only getting bigger and bigger. Afcon at the moment, other than the you know the tragedy is going off really well, and you know people of all over that continent um, are incredibly passionate about it. You only have to see the way in which the games have been played. Copper America is always like a massive deal. So it's you know these these. Um, These continental competitions are, to many people, just as important as as the World Cup. And in fact, to a lot of nations, they're much more likely to win or get to the latter stages of that. So they probably invest a lot more um, uh, into it. And that's all Infantino cares about. That's all FIFA care about. They just want more and more money making opportunities. They don't want, you know, they know that in in club football terms, they're incredibly jealous in club football in terms of the power of UEFA and the money that they make from the Champions League and the fact that all of the big leagues, particularly the Premier League, are within that organisation. They've been desperately trying to increase the size of the World Club uh, competition and the, therefore the revenue that you can generate from that because they have ownership of that, unlike you know the Champions League where they don't get access to any of that part. And I heard Tim Vickery, the, the, the journalist who I referenced um, a little while back, say that he is... Uh, he suspects that what they might do is is kind of, um, you know, as a kind of bargaining chip, a bit of a compromise, is say, okay, well, we'll drop this idea for a World Cup every two years, but in return, we want your backing for a significantly expanded um, uh, global club uh, competition on an annual basis that essentially stops domestic seasons and everyone watches it in, you know, January or December, whenever it is. So sus- I suspect there's going there'll be movement one way or the other, but it all comes... From FIFA's it um, thirst for money which is completely insatiable you know they, they, and and it's I know that all organizations exist to make a profit but they are governing the most popular uh, game in the world the game that you know people live their lives by is a you know as uh, somebody once I believe called it the the most important of the unimportant things in life <laughs> you know because you can't <laughs> clearly football is not. Uh, something that is you know it's not a it's not a life and death matter it's not a um a matter that you know for most people puts you know food on the table pays the bills or helps you raise a family but of the things that you are important to you in your life and the things that kind of define your life and define your free time define your your uh you know your sort of you know cultural identity your personal identity your your leisure time gives you joy and release and expression it doesn't Get more important than football to millions, if not billions, of people, and to be the guardians of such a kind of sacred uh, entity as football that FIFA have the privilege of being. They really—it's difficult to imagine a, a less appropriate uh, bunch of people and a less appropriate organisation having having that level of power. So, yeah, I think they're I think they're an absolute disgrace. I think that Infantino should be ashamed of uh, trying to um, you know uh, use um vulnerable uh people desperate people and the tragic circumstances that occur around those people to um to legitimize uh, a a greedy um
1: uh quest so there you go matthew that's it yeah that's it you you mentioned before the podcast you say i'm not going to go into a rant this time i want you to uh Ask me, ask me some more questions. Well, ask away, <laughs> no, Matthew. No, no, that's it. No, no, I, there was no need. There's no need, and also I've got meetings starting. In you do, minutes. you <laughs> do, yeah. So we really do have to go. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be,
0: uh, we'll be back next week. There'll be no um, Premier League uh, domestic football to discuss next week because this weekend we're going into a uh, a weekend break, uh, which I believe is just for the purposes of just getting the players some rest. But it just means that because of the backlog of cancelled matches around the Christmas period due to, due to COVID, that February, March, and April are going to be absolutely mental. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll look forward to that, Matt. I know you—you know—you you won't stop uh, watching uh, you know, the, the, the beautiful game, and you, you're probably just counting the days until uh, sort of fifth of February onwards. It's just boom football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, that starts. Okay. So uh, on that on that damp squib of a bombshell it's time to say uh, goodbye everybody see you next week and uh, arrivederci